0: Come on, everybody. Here we go. Up to Neverland.
1: Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where we interview Disney content creators and product producers. We share Disney stories and strategies for how to grow your Disney hobby or business. Here's your host, Brendan Wright. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is a very special episode. I love being able to connect with different people in the Disney community, people who are creating really unique and amazing content to put out into the Disney community, following their passion, sharing things that they're so interested in and and being able to connect with people. So this was just something that happened by chance connected with Sean and Jackie from Monorail Radio on their trip to Disneyland, just interacting because I got back from a Disneyland trip just a few weeks prior, so it was great to see some of those familiar sights from what I just saw and the place that I was missing so much. Then got hooked on the podcast that they're out there producing. It's an amazing podcast, so I'm so glad that they're on here with us today to tell a little bit of their Disney story, tell the story of Monorail Radio. So, Sean and Jackie, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell a little bit about your podcast and about you guys if you can for someone who's not as familiar with you
0: well thank you so much for having us on we're really excited to be here we love your show uh we think you do a great job and we think we agree with you it's great when you have this disney community and and we're all content creators and it's nice to be able to share and not have like the competition um and uh, because i'm i've dealt with that competition before because i've been doing podcasts for a long time and and it's nice when you kind of have that family feel to it so monoreal radio really came out of um number one and first and foremost is a love for disney jackie and i have loved disney our entire lives and it's what's made our relationship a lot of fun over the last 10 years is you don't always find somebody that shares that passion for disney you know this same way that you have it and so that immediately was was a great connection and we're both media people so being able to take our love for disney and combine it with with media and radio and podcasting is something that just made so much sense it did take us a while though to come up with this format i mean we were talking about this for what about five years right
2: yeah we actually met working in radio and since Then have gone on to do other things. So we were trying to figure out what would be a good project for us to work on. And we had bounced the idea of a podcast off of each other so many times, but we couldn't figure out what the right niche was for us. And um, one day Sean came home from work and he was like, well, what if we did a Disney podcast? And, you know, there's so many great podcasts about the park. Um, and we didn't feel like that was really a good fit for us because we don't live in Florida, and we only get down to Florida about once every other year. And obviously, like you said, this is our first time out in California. Um, So we kind of circled around to movies, and I went to school for television and film, so immediately I was like, this was the most obvious choice. How did it take us so long to think of this?
1: Yeah, that's great. And I think that from my perspective – Movies, I've always, you know, just consumed them. I've never dissected them or been able to review them. And listening to your podcast has really been, I think, with both of your backgrounds, you have a very unique perspective of able to disagree on certain things and draw out, you know, theories or points that I would completely miss just from sitting down and watching a movie. So it's been really great for me to go through all these movies that I love so much and see them in completely different light. So I want to turn it back a little bit, and your love and your passion for Disney, where did that start for you both individually? And then, you kind of already mentioned it, but then as a relationship, how has it kind of formed into it and been such a mainstay uh, and part of your relationship?
2: Sure. Um, For me, it started, um, my first movie that I saw in theaters was The Little Mermaid. My mom took me when I was three years old, and I was instantly hooked. you know, I just loved the idea of the big screen, and I thought it was so cool. But to see animation like that and the musical numbers, I was just completely enthralled with it. And um, I think that that's something that stayed with me—not just with Disney, but just made me want to go on and later have a career in this. Um, but for Disney, it definitely got fueled when I went to the parks for the first time with my family when I was eight years old, and I just loved everything about it. Like. You know, you'd see the commercials on TV when you were a kid, and of course, you want to go. They hook you, and you know, you beg your family to take you. And when you finally get to go on that trip with them, there's just nothing like that when you were a kid. And especially because we went during that peak time of Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and to see all those characters out in the streets and in the parades and everything, th- there was just nothing better.
0: And I know for me. Um we were always a disney family my dad has always liked the films my mom likes them enough uh, but my dad was always really into it though funny enough most of my disney exposure when i was really young came from going to the movies with my mom um when i was a kid my mom worked nights my dad worked days so when i was really young and you only go to school for half a day when you're five six years old uh coming home from school was spent with mom and i i vividly remember when I was four years old, she came into my room one night with the newspaper and she was like, hey, after after school tomorrow, we're going to go see this movie. And she pointed out a picture, a screen grab in in the Newsday here on Long Island. And it was a screen grab from The Jungle Book. And I remember going to see The Jungle Book. At the Colmack Multiplex in, you know, on Long Island, and being blown away the same way that Jackie was blown away by the animation and the music for Our *Little Mermaid*. That was the effect that that the jungle book had on me and we took the first trip as a family when i was four years old in 1990 um i had a panic attack on Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea which is another story for another day but i otherwise um i love the parks and i just remember being there and thinking that this was now they'll tell you it's the most magical place on earth but really believing that it was um because it's it's a fully immersive experience and when you're that young other than being in the movies you always think about what is it like to be inside a disney film and quite honestly that's what makes the park so great is you kind of do get to become a part of that universe and you're you're fully subscribed in it and i just remember from that moment moving forward that was that was kind of like the aha moment for me and in terms of our relationship you know i know You definitely, it it means a lot to both of us, but I know it meant a lot to you, especially.
2: I think, um, when we first started dating, I was definitely more the outspoken Disney fan. I mean, I have a a tattoo of Tinkerbell on my arm, so it's definitely out there. And, um, I felt like, you know, like he was never the type of boyfriend that I had to drag to go see a Disney movie. Like he was always more than willing to go, um... But I think as the years have gone on, our love and respect for the company has just grown with the trips that we've taken. Um, I feel like every time we go to Florida, we're just so completely, you know, you have that appreciation from when you were a kid and you love your memories from when you were a kid. But I feel like the more that we've gone together, the more we pick out about what Walt did and what the company means to everyone now and maybe that is just part of getting older and appreciating things like that more how this you know how Disney has been such a pivotal role in our life throughout now um but it's definitely something that's grown over the years and I remember the first time we went together I uh, was in 2011 so we were dating for about three years at that point and the last time I had been before that had been with my family in 2008 and It was around the time where the parks had done a lot of changes, like MGM had the complete overhaul. They put in the Lights, Motors, Action Show, Um, and I remember everything was really, really new, Um, and my family was there for about a week and change, and we did everything. It was just like a nonstop trip, so three years later, the first time I went with Sean, I was like, this is the true test of this relationship. Oh, my God please don't mess this up because I was so afraid that the traditions weren't going to be the same and that he wasn't going to want to ride the same things that I would and that we just weren't going to be on the same page and that maybe, you know, he'd be like tired and want to go back to the room while the parks were still open, which would have been a deal breaker. That just would have killed everything. Um, But no, we were totally on the same page. We were, up first thing in the morning for rope drop, we would stay for the extra magic hours and the way that, you know, I really, um, he actually did a lot of planning for the trip, which I was very hesitant to let him do, but he actually made some suggestions that I was totally on board with and made the trip better.
1: I love hearing stories like that because that was something that was so prevalent for my wife and I, cause I grew up going to the parks with my family and the same, um, she with hers. and. Uh, that it's funny that you mentioned that because my family has always been a mid afternoon, you go back to the hotel and you nap and you get ready to get, go back to the parks late in the night. And Catherine, my wife's family has always been rope drop to as long as you can go. And so it's funny that you have to have those give and takes. And so many people visit the parks in different ways and have those traditions. But I think that creating new traditions, um, with someone you're in a relationship with is one of the most rewarding parts of visiting the parks. Cause it's now, you know, we go, we do our own thing and, and we leave my family and, and her family have completely different ways of experiencing the parks, but we have the things that work for us and, the, and we hit the things that we enjoy the most. So I love hearing how different people kind of play that balance of, of forming new traditions and, and playing off how you ex- have experienced the parks in the past.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. I was terrified, but it worked out for the
0: best. <laughs> as a family, you know, as a family, we didn't stick around past like four or five o'clock in the afternoon, believe it or not. And I've been to the parks it's gotta be uh, it's gotta be almost twelve times at this point, um, which pales in comparison to most others. Um, but I didn't see fireworks on Disney property until I was in high school. Hmm. You know, it's just that wasn't that wasn't how my family did it. We never stayed on property, we we were gone before dinner time. And we'd go have dinner somewhere and go back to the hotel and rent a VHS tape and reset for the next day.
1: That's awesome. (laughs) I feel like, um, my family's never been like big fireworks people either. And so that's something that I've had to get accustomed to. And now I have an appreciation for them, but I never really like look forward to them that much, but that's a, that's a different story for a different day. So I want to talk about the podcast Kind of how did you guys come up with the format of how you want to do it? And I know one of your taglines is if the old classics hold up and if the new releases compare. So that's, I think, it's a really interesting time for Disney movies because they're going through all of these new live action remakes, doing things differently, keeping some of the old of the originals while also adding new elements to them. So, why did you guys decide on that? And how did you guys decide on the format? And for someone who's not as familiar with your podcast, if you can just kind of give a glimpse into what you guys cover over there.
0: Sure. So, uh, to answer your last question first, and work backwards from there, uh, Monorail Radio uh, is a weekly podcast where we. Um, We discuss and review a different Disney film every week. Um, And more and more so as the years go on, we do believe that it's going to become more of a compare and contrast sort of show because as you just said, right, so many of these uh, animated classics are either being remade or given sequels or more times than not being done as uh, live action interpretations. We've seen it happen quite a bit in the last couple of years and we have many more uh, coming up in the next Two to three years, certainly. Um, so really what we do is we break everything down from a st- from a filmmaking sh- uh, perspective down to a fan perspective. Right. So Jackie went to film school. Um, I studied film in high school. Um, so we have more than your average knowledge and critical eye when it comes to certain things so we like to be able to break things down and go the script the story the animation itself the technical end the music and does it all melt together Characters. And character development character arcs and more times than not we end up asking ourselves does the film hold up because we know that we live in in a time where People are hyper aware, right, of of things that are going on around them and things that are being said, maybe things that were acceptable back in 1966 are not acceptable anymore. So does the film hold up? And and can you at times, can you defend some of the things that maybe were acceptable then but are considered to be insensitive now? Um, There is a social responsibility, I think to kind of discuss some of the things that Disney has done and where they're, um, making changes. Now we had a whole discussion about, uh, red and the pirates of the Caribbean on, on our show when we recapped, um, our trip down to Disneyland. Um, and we'll, we'll leave our opinion on that show. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's, that's something that we feel is different than what other people are doing. So I'm on my way to work. I listen to so many Disney podcasts. And I, I missed radio. I work in food and beverage now, which is great. I enjoy it. I have a passion for it. But I do miss working in radio sometimes and listening to so many of our shows um, that we're subscribed to. And everybody does a really good job, right? And, and I think to myself, you know, we could do something like this. But it was finding that niche – Because I would hate to step on anybody's toes. You have the dopey dudes with Jimmy and Frank, and they talk about Disney films, but they talk about a little bit of everything. They run Disney and they really touch on Star Wars and Marvel. And then we all know Lou Mangello does a phenomenal show. Um, he's a great guy. I'm a part of the running team. And you don't want to step on his toes. And for me, it's like, I know I can't do it as good as Lou anyway, right? So where where is it that we have that niche? And it took time for us to talk about it, but it was, again, it was just kind of that aha moment of, you know, nobody's really doing this, at least nothing that I've seen. So really going and researching what kind of Disney podcasts are out there. We didn't come across anything that was like this, that really looked at it with such a critical eye and broke it down. And we, we talked about it. And as I had mentioned, we've been talking about it for a long time, but really sitting down and saying, we're not really going to discuss the parks because it's sort of a lot of people are doing that right now, and we don't want to just be another person that's doing that. Where, do, where are we unique and where are we different? And uh, the thing that took the most time of all the things, once we knew that we were going to do this, coming up with a format was sort of easy because it flows very nice for us and it's kind of linear and it makes a lot of sense. That was the easy part. The hardest part was coming up with the name of the <laughs> show. We were able to figure out the format in 45 minutes. It was coming up with the name of the show
2: that took us weeks. Yeah, we wanted something that would encompass the movie review, of course, that way that you know people would be able to differentiate that this was not a Parks podcast, but then the further away we got from the parks, there were so many similar names and it was hard to find something that was unique that wasn't gonna sound like something else. Um, I think with regard to the format of the show and the compare and contrast versus the animation versus live action, um, I think it's an important time for that because obviously, like you said, there are so many Disney remakes being made, but the movie industry as a whole is gravitating towards all of these intellectual properties, like not just Disney. You have the Harry Potter series that even though the Harry Potter books are done, they keep going on with the world of Fantastic Beasts. Um, You have so many young adult novels being adapted to film. Um, So a lot of these studios now are hanging their hats on these big blockbuster movies and I feel like a lot of what is being put into film now is passable at best and they just don't make them like they used to anymore so I feel like as far as comparing and contrasting it's really important to look at the blueprints of animation because they paid so much attention to story and they were so careful the way that they animated these classic films over at Disney that you know, they have to be just as careful to remake them now. They can't just do a cash grab. And I I think that's a big question for me, too, is when we're looking at these live-action remakes, is does, you know, of course it's modernized for today's audience, but, like, does it work?
0: And especially now with the Disney streaming service coming, Disney Plus coming um, next year, so many of these films are going to be available to everybody for such a a reasonable price. You know, it sounds like it's gonna be less than Netflix if you believe everything you read on the internet because everything there is true, right? So it seems as if for for value on the dollar, you're going to have such an extensive library opened up to you. So why not talk about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. It's funny that you mentioned the price because as soon as they announced that Loki would have his own series, I was like, I don't even need anything else on there. I'll pay you know, forty nine ninety nine for just a Loki series. But you're exactly right that all these movies are going to be a lot more accessible. It's such an interesting time for Disney as a company, and so I think it's great. And I think what made me fall in love with your podcast are two things of something that I wrote down this morning when I was listening to one of them was that, A, you look at everything critically, but it's fair, so something that makes me so frustrated is if you go right now to the Dumbo trailer on YouTube or on Facebook, wherever they've posted it, you'll see so many people say, oh, the original's better. The original's better. I'm not even going to see this one because it's just a remake. I think it's, that's a very closed-minded look, and I really appreciate that you guys you know, just break it down as a standalone film, but then also compare it to the original because I think that's a fair way of looking at things. Um I think it is rare that a live action is going to um, go f- be a better film than the original, but you know at least you're giving it a chance and going through it and putting it up to the same test as the original. So that's the first thing, and the second I think is that the way you guys are doing it is very approachable. So for someone like me, I've never studied film, I know nothing about it. It's a very approachable format. The way that um, you're able to I, digest the information. Is really a great way, so I'd really highly encourage any of our listeners who are listening is to really go check it out because it's a great way of going through these movies and seeing them in completely new lights. Um, You know, for me, the Jungle Book, I I just finished both your original Jungle Book and the live action Jungle Book episodes, and that was just mind blowing to me. Of so many things that I missed between the differences of things that they updated, that Favreau updated. Um, more than anything, it got me really excited for The Lion King to see the little tweaks that he makes there. But I I really think that you guys are putting a great product out there. So that I think it's wonderful that you found this niche uh, and you're really kind of carving out your space.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate that. And we felt that it was important that um, when we discuss these films, that we don't want to seem as if we're coming off as crass or that we're talking down to anybody. Because you see so many of these people, especially the ones with keyboard courage, and they put together a podcast or a YouTube channel, and they're going to say, well, I'm going to show everybody how smart I am. No. Just just talk to me like I'm a human being. Don't talk to me like I'm a robot. And don't, don't hate a movie because you think you're supposed to hate it. You know, we had a whole conversation with this on the way home today we actually went and saw a movie today we saw bohemian rhapsody and we talked about the critic gave it horrible reviews and was it a great movie no but it was still good why did people hate it they hated it for the same reason they hated solo which is the same reason they hated the last jedi they hated it because they were supposed to hate it dislike a movie because you generally didn't like it don't don't dump on it because you think it's what you're supposed to do
2: i think the other thing for me too is that having done film production I respect the process so much, I don't think that a lot of people realize how much hard work it actually is. And I would never trash a movie like you said for the sake of trashing it because it really does take a village of people to make a film. It's an enormous amount of work and there are a lot of decisions that are made in pre-production and on set as well that you think are going to be instrumental to the final product and end up not working. So. A lot of the times, you know, it's not – if a movie's bad, it's not for lack of trying. And, you know, Brendan, to your point, you sh- really shouldn't be that closed-minded if all you've seen is a trailer and you mm-hmm. haven't actually viewed the film. Yeah. That's a really good point.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know – I don't want to spoil too much of it because I really encourage anybody to go listen to it, but you know, one of your breakdowns of the live action jungle book was that Baloo as a character, it was a miss. It was not the right casting. He just didn't, you know, he didn't connect. And I think that you're able to recognize that you store that away, but that doesn't take away from the overall film itself, that that's a, that's one aspect of it. But I feel like so many people nowadays will say, Oh, well, I didn't like Blue, so I don't like the movie. And it's just not, I think, a healthy way of going through that process. Agreed. Right. Well, good deal. Well, I think we covered some great topics so far. Next that, we'll run to... Oh, actually, no. We're not running into Fast Pass Round yet. If we're we're <laughs> going to go standby by still. Um, and so Disneyland. So you guys just got back from Southern California. You went to Disneyland. You also went to the Walt Disney Studios. So... What were your thoughts of Disneyland as a park? I guess if we can break that into two questions. First, let's just start with Disneyland. What did you guys think? I I hate comparing it to Disney World, but I know it's a natural thing. So kind of did you guys enjoy your time out there? I guess it's the most simple way of
0: asking that. Yeah, you know it's funny that you say that because we, when we did our review and our discussion on our show this week, it was basically the same thing. Like so, you don't want to compare them, <laughs> but you try to. The thing is, they're so completely different. When you go to Disneyland, that was a place that Walt Disney built so that families could have a place to spend the day together, and Disney World is built as a vacation destination. That's not to say that Disneyland is not a vacation destination, but it is far more a locals park than Disney World is. So they have different feels. They have different... Um, the the look is similar, um, and I think the overall mission is the same, but they feel completely two different ways. From a cast member perspective down to a guest perspective, it's totally different. But I can say that um, being in Disneyland... You know, everybody talks about how much smaller it is. So the castle's smaller, and the park is smaller, and these these things are all true. But I I felt a sp- it it was hard to put into words even on our own show, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's like there's a certain type of magic I think that you feel in Anaheim because Walt Disney had his hands on it that you don't necessarily have in Orlando. And that doesn't mean that one is better than the next. It just means that they're very different. They're two unique experiences. And I think that it's definitely something that if you're a fan of of Disney,
2: you know, in totality, it's something that you need to experience. Absolutely. I feel after having been to both parks, now I can call myself a true fan. And that was the one of the things that I was most pleasantly surprised by was that, I really didn't compare the two parks. I love Disneyland for what it was on its own. My only, and I don't want to say knock against it, it's just that it's not that I liked it any less. It's just not what I was raised on. It's not where I have my memories, and it didn't feel like home to me. But otherwise, I loved it for what it was.
1: Yeah, I think that the only times that I found myself comparing it um, it's funny. We had. A, I have a, a a great memory that I'll I think I'll always remember. We were standing back near the monorail in Tomorrowland, and we were trying to decide: are we going to get on the monorail and go to Downtown Disney, or are we just going to walk out the front of the park? And we started walking, and we and we had a dispute between me and my sister-in-law. Well, should we go right around the horn or should we go left around the horn, Which is going to get us back to the hub faster? Right. Uh, In Disney World, that would be saving yourselves a lot of steps between which way that you go back, whether you go through Fantasyland or whether you go back through the Tomorrowland entrance. In Disneyland, you know, it was six in one, half dozen in the other. So it was such – that was the only comparison that I found was that you could get get to things a lot easier. But I think you're exactly right. It's a completely different feel and it's a completely different experience. Um, Did you have any good thoughts on DCA, um, Cars Land, anything
2: over there? stand out that that was notable for you guys? We absolutely loved DCA. Um, I'm really glad that we waited as long as we did to take this trip because um, Pixar Pier was probably my favorite part of everything, that and Cars Land. Um, But I feel like if we had gone before they did the refurb and made it Pixar Pier and they didn't have that same... Theming and they didn't incorporate as many movies. I don't know that I would have appreciated it that much. Um, Cars Land blew my mind. I knew going on Radio, going on Radiator Springs Raceway, um, that it was going to be essentially test track, but it's stunning. You know the way that they built that ride is absolutely beautiful. Um, but they made enough adjustments to the ride where it was different than test track. Um, all the buildings there were amazing. I love that each car had its own space. And surprisingly, we did talk about this on our show too. My big takeaway was mater's junkyard jamboree Mm -hmm. i love that stupid ride (laughs) i just i don't know what else to say like i just love that ride it's ridiculous and there's not much to it but i loved it
0: amazingly the day before we went to dca we started the first day we did uh, disneyland of course um and when we left that night we said okay well we have the park hopper Uh, we knew we were going to do one full day in disneyland or the Magic Kingdom, however you want to call it, one full day at DCA, and then we were going to split the last day because we had a three-day park hopper, split it between the two. And I remember walking out of Disneyland after the first night saying, we'll go to DCA tomorrow, we have a magic hour in the morning, but from the looks of it, we could probably do it in a half day, and then we'll just spend the next day and a half over in Disneyland and make sure we knock out everything over there. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. Um, I think what I loved most about it was that it felt like the MGM studios. And as you will hear us say on our show, they can change the name. It doesn't matter. It's it's always going to be MGM studios. Don't um, lie.
2: What you loved the most for cookie nom noms.
0: Oh, well, I did love the cookie nom noms. They were unbelievable. But uh, snack aside, um, It had the feel of the old MGM Studios, which is something that put aside the fact that Disney World has so much construction going on right now with Galaxy's Edge, the last time that we were down there, it just didn't it didn't feel like the same place anymore, that park in particular. The rest, mm. of, the, the rest of the parks, um, Animal Kingdom, Epcot, and Magic Kingdom, you knew, they, they had the feel. There was nothing taken away from that. But we had such a miserable experience at Studios the last time that we were there that we almost didn't go back the second day and, against better judgment, we went back the second day and had an even more miserable experience, which is not something I've ever said about Disney or about a park. So going into Disney's California Adventure, it felt like we were back at MGM, especially when we did the Animation Academy, which is something that we loved so much. And now that's gone, and that's where Launch Bay is. So... Um, I think I, I I keep going back to and I think this is what people love so much about the parks is feeling right. What is it emote? And that's the feeling that I got was was that it was something familiar. It was tangible. It's something I have felt I've seen it. And and that's what I loved so much about DCA. And I really didn't think I was going to walk out of there saying that at the end of the trip.
2: And even, you know, aside from feeling like old school MGM, um, I was really impressed by all of the, um, you know, how they just encompass the state of California. You know, you walk into the park and you've got your Hollywood. So there's your Southern California. You've got Pixar Pier, which I guess was modeled after Santa Monica Pier. You've got that whole San Francisco wharf area and Cannery Row and, I, and um, uh, the Grizzly, I keep forgetting the gri- Grizzly Peak. Grizzly Peak. Um, that's like your Yosemite. So they really did tribute this park to the state really nicely.
1: Yeah, and I think that even beyond the aesthetic as well, the food and the snacks really play into the entire ambiance, which I think for me is something that Hollywood Studios has been, or if we want to call it MGM, has been missing for so many years is you have the Brown Derby, but past that, there's really not anything that, that really plays to the theming
0: of the park, which I thought DCA did very well and the and the brown derby is terrible. I mean, the la- we went there a couple of years ago and it was one of the best meals we've ever had on Disney property. We ate there twice on the last trip and both times the food was inedible. And from somebody that works in food and beverage to see where it was versus where it is was such a disappointment because it was not it was it was on all levels from a service level to uh to a to a presentation, everything about it was just awful. Um, the last really great snack that they had there was at the writer's stop, and you'd get the um, the carrot cake cookie, which you can get now, but I think they moved it to that, um, what was it, like Starbucks, that old, um, it's themed after the Roger Rabbit, the... No,
2: no, that's a Starbucks. It's there is that other bakery though up towards the front of the park on Sunset Boulevard. And the name escapes me, but they do have a bunch of holiday theme treats over there. But other than still get it. But other than so that's the thing.
0: I love the cookie num num. But I could tell you a bunch of other things that DCA had that was excellent. I can't tell you much more than a carrot cake cookie and a turkey leg over at the studios. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's true. Um, I guess talking about another kind of e-ticket attraction in DCA for Guardians of the Galaxy. Did you guys get a chance to ride that?
0: I'm wearing the shirt right now.
2: <laughs> I'm not a big thrill ride person, so I did Tower of Terror back in the day, but I'm I'm tapped. I tapped out of this one. I will say that I love the Tower of Terror, um, and I think that
0: um, as an all-around experience, when you compare. Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout to the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror over in um, in MGM. Um, comparing the two, the all-around better ride is the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. What ride is more fun? Guardians of the Galaxy. Hands down, without question, it's not even close. So the fact that I said on our show, and I'll say it again here, while it is not the best attraction in Anaheim, it is the most fun attraction in Anaheim, without question.
2: Yeah, he told me about the storyline of Mission Breakout and there was a brief moment where I hesitated and I was like, maybe I'll have a margarita and get on this thing because it just sounded so cool. I didn't. I was still a chicken.
1: If you go back for the Halloween season, you have to ride Mission Breakout during the day and then you have to do Monsters After Dark uh, after 5pm because that – it just extends the ride into – You know, a completely different story, and it's so amazing. But I won't spoil it, but I would highly encourage anybody who goes during the Halloween season that that is a must-do. Because I can guarantee you, uh, Sean, that if you liked Mission Breakout during the day, you really would have loved the uh, Monsters After Dark as well.
0: Well, we got to go back.
1: I think that's the only solution. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, glad we got the thoughts on that. And then so quickly, you guys went over to the... Disney Studios as well in Burbank. So what was that experience like? Did you take a tour, I guess? Is that the only way to see it nowadays?
0: Yeah, so we were able to get a tour because we're D23 members. And um I will say that D23, we joined this year after talking about it for many years. It's been a great decision for us. Um firstly because the most important thing is we were able to get this tour, which is only opened up like twice a year that they give tours at the studio unlike a lot of the other studios in los angeles where you can just go pay your 50 60 bucks and go take a tour warner brothers paramount um universal they built it into a part of their amusement park so it's actually an attraction um in their park this doesn't really open up so being able to do this through d23 was good enough on its own but d23 does a lot In big cities and little cities, where we've been able to go to premieres if we wanted to. Like, we just got an email now that they're doing um, Mary Poppins. It's not coming to New York, but they are. I know they're going to Cleveland and a couple of other cities. Um, where you don't have to pay for your ticket as long as you get a ticket through them and you go to these premieres, it's it's, and it's a an advanced
2: screening before it's 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 happening at the end of November and that movie doesn't come out until the end of this, of December. So
0: that's that's how we were able to get in over at the uh, studios in Burbank was through D23.
1: That's also. I think so many, and I fall victim to this, I always just think, oh, I don't need to do D23 because I'm never going to go to the big, huge expo in Anaheim. Uh, But I think there is so much more to the membership than that, for sure.
2: Absolutely. Um, They send you quarterly. They'll send you, um, you know, some paraphernalia this year they happened to do a lot because it was mickey 90 um you know we got a beautiful book of a bunch of mickey work um but you know really it was worth the price of the membership just to have an opportunity like this so that we could go and see the studios it was I, I was completely overwhelmed it's really hard to put into words because you know it's not just where there's so much history and where all of your favorite films are coming from i mean these are the grounds that Walt walked on, and even, you know, saving, more recently, Saving Mr. Banks was shot there, so it was cool just to go and see where they shot certain scenes from that movie, and um, we're huge fans of the Waking Sleeping Beauty documentary, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but um, we do have an episode where we review it, and basically, um, some of the Disney animators and producers put together um, a film about the time where disney almost went under it was you know after black cauldron had flopped and that dark time period before you had the little mermaid beauty and the beast aladdin lion king hits um their animation department was in big trouble and the company almost folded because of it um so it's a fascinating documentary for any disney fan but um they made it off of randy cartwright who is um one of the probably one of the biggest Disney animators. He did Belle, he did the Magic Carpet, he did Zazu. Um, he shot some home video footage because he had a new camera. And he was walking through the lot. And even just to see where he was walking and some of the things that they shot and think about all the history that comes with that, um, that that was just overwhelming for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love following along on your guys' stories as well. And I think kind of my evolution as a Disney fan, kind of the history and looking back. And I think your podcast is really going to help me with that. That's the next big thing that I want to dive into because I don't have that rich appreciation for it, especially understanding the circumstances of how movies were released um, and things that were going on along with the company as well as that time point in history. So I think that's a, a, the kind of the next evolution in my process. So I'm so glad you guys got to do that. So I guess you would recommend it to anybody who gets that opportunity.
0: Absolutely. I think that if you're a really big Super Disney fan and you read the books, you watch the documentaries and all of the the behind-the-scenes specials, the thing is, you're probably not going to learn a lot on this tour. But you will see things that you've only ever seen on page and screen. And that's what is absolutely worth its weight in gold. Standing inside of Walt Disney's office, looking at his furniture, looking at his paperwork um as it was you know on the shelves when he died and and it's and it's still like that because they've done a nice job of making sure that everything is restored to the way that it was um you know in 1966 um it's it's overwhelming and if you don't do a lot of research on the company um you're going to walk away with a wealth of knowledge those are the types of people that are going to learn an awful lot
2: even to the casual Disney fan, though, I mean, maybe people that aren't as obsessed as we are, uh, it was still just a really well done tour. Like, even I don't think a lot of a lot of people realize the advances that Walt made to animation itself and to the process of animation. So, just to learn some of the more technical things behind that was really interesting as well. And the the workflow and the way that he set up his studio. Uh, was really interesting so there's you know that kind of a takeaway from it too
1: yeah that sounds awesome I am uh, super jealous I might be looking up flights to go back to Anaheim as we speak (laughs) because I'm I'm already missing it so much and that sounds like an amazing experience as well
0: yeah well if you join D23 they're doing the tour again in April they just announced it
2: and I think the following November as well Mm. but they did announce their two dates for next year
1: Awesome. I'll have to look into that. So thanks so much for sharing that. So now I think we're ready for our fast pass round. So I'll just throw out some Disney topics. If you just kind of share the first thing that comes to your mind, so our listeners can get to know your Disney fandom a little bit better. Sure. Sure. So the first ones, I think we've already covered it, but you've been to Anaheim and Orlando to those parks, right? Those are the ones that you visited.
0: Yeah. We've been to all of those parks in, in Anaheim and Orlando. Correct.
1: And which of those is your favorite and why? If
0: you had to pick one individual park?
2: Uh, world. Just because it's home.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm going to eliminate Magic Kingdom, Orlando, just because it's what everybody says. Um and if if I'm eliminating that, then I, I have to say Disneyland. Magic Kingdom Disneyland. Honorable mention to Epcot Center though. Gotcha.
1: Next would be your Disney bucket list trip
2: uh for me shanghai because i want to ride that pirates ride so badly
0: yeah i would say we we are discussing a trip to the paris parks in the more near future but eventually i would love to do shanghai and tokyo because you have tokyo disneyland and tokyo disney sea um and similar to california the the uh landscape around it is supposed to be absolutely stunning
2: And a cruise. I definitely want to check out one of the cruises, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Those all sound amazing. Uh, I think uh, Paris, I think, is probably the next trip that we will plan as well. So hopefully we'll see you there if the the dates match up. We'll work it out. (laughs) (laughs) So next would be your favorite Disney resort.
2: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Probably Pop Century because we got engaged there. So there's oh, wow. definitely emotional attachment. Besides that, though, um, I love the Polynesian.
0: Yeah, that, that would be my go-to if it wasn't Pop Century. It would be the Polynesian. Um, Ohana is the best meal on property for the value on the dollar. Um, and you get the view, the beautiful view of the fireworks. And if you don't like Trader Sam, we're not allowed to be friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How did you like the I, – I know we're trying not to compare, but the comparison between Trader Sam's at the Polynesian and to the one at Disneyland Hotel – did you think there were different experiences, or, or how did that stack up?
2: Um, I feel like they were different experiences. Um, in a way, I like that Florida's is more hidden, but that's not to say I like it better. Our bartender experience in Anaheim was unbelievable. I mean, obviously, everybody knows now you order a certain drink, and it triggers something on the wall, or they'll do... but. We just we just hit it at the perfect time. Our bartender Roy, Roy he, coincidentally he, his name was Roy of course. It's hard to forget. Um, he was hilarious. He looks and acts like Sal Volcano from Impractical <laughs> Jokers. Actually,
0: that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I kind of liked the fact that we were able to go into Trader Sam's and actually get a spot at the bar. The last two times we've been to Orlando, we've had to sit outside by the pool, which is nice. There's nothing wrong with that, but That's it's not like, why you go. No, and if you want to get inside the actual bar, it was like a two-hour wait. So we haven't gotten in there in many years.
1: So I have to ask, if you're comfortable sharing, I've shared my Disney engagement story on here. So you guys got engaged at Pop Century?
2: Yep. We did, yes. I'll let you take this one because you so enjoy telling the story. So we're flying out of MacArthur Airport
0: here on Long Island and it starts there. Jackie knew she didn't know we were getting engaged. It was the it was our five year anniversary that we went on the trip. And I'm usually pretty calm, cool and collected. And I snapped at the woman at the bagel counter. (laughs) In Islip, because I ordered a bagel and a coffee. They charged me $9, which is ridiculous to begin with. Um, and they refused to butter my bagel. They made <laughs> me do it. And I was just so angry that they wouldn't butter my my darn bagel for me for 9 bucks. And I just couldn't figure out why he was harping on this so much. <laughs> because little does she know, in my backpack, wrapped up inside of my uh, windbreaker is her engagement ring. And I was so afraid I was going to lose somehow in transit from or Orla- from from Islip to Orlando. So we land, we check in at Pop Century. And I know her habits when we get down to the park. Um, we, we take the first flight out in the morning so that we can get the first day at Magic Kingdom. So I know we're going to check into the room. She's going to change out of her New York garb into her Florida garb because we always go in November so it's like 35 degrees when we fly out of here and it's 80 degrees down there. So I have this planned out in my mind where she's going to go get changed, get cleaned up, come out into the room and I'll be there with the with the ring. So I do that. And I'm on my knee and she comes out. Now I should tell you that I got the ring from Zales. This is actually an important part of the story. And it's in like this metallic box. Like it looks like it's wrapped in tin foil. And it's a huge box for an average size ring. It's it's actually obnoxious size. <laughs> so she comes out of the bathroom and she goes to, you know, look in the mirror to straighten out her hair, do her makeup. And she's like, so remember, we got the fast pass over at Buzz Lightyear and she just like keeps looking at me and talking so casually. And I'm like, what is going on here? (laughs) And she looks at me and she says, what the bleep are you doing? (laughs) And I'm thinking, I have done something terribly wrong. (laughs) So she takes like two steps towards me before she realizes what's happening. And in her shock, she goes, oh, my God, are you really doing this right now? So I ended up closing the box on her. And I said, is this a bad time? Do you want to reschedule this? And long story made short, she comes to out of her shock. She says, yes, obviously, we're on our way to the park. And and she, I said to her, I go, I have to ask you, what was so confusing about that? And she said, it was that box. And I said, what was confusing? She said, it was metallic and it was huge. I thought you had my camera in your hand. I thought you were taking pictures on the floor.
2: (laughs) I really couldn't figure out what he was doing. And he just caught me so completely off guard. I mean, this is, you know, the female end of it. Is that, yes, I knew we were going down there for our five-year anniversary. I thought maybe he was going to do it at some point during the trip. But I thought it was going to be, like, for our anniversary, which was at the tail end of the trip. I was... Never expecting it from the first moment we hit the ground, it caught me completely off guard.
0: We were there for ten days. I wanted it to be a celebration that started from the minute we got in the hotel.
1: That's awesome. It sure was. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. that is a, that is a great story?
0: Yeah, sure. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> yeah, at my expense. You're welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So I don't know how we move to the next question because I can't top that story, but I guess we'll just give it a shot. So the next question is if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which would it be?
2: That's a great question. I almost don't know how to answer that because like, do you go with your favorite ride or do you go with what you need the fast pass for? Mm -hmm. And then you're also talking like California versus Florida too. Um, probably Toy Story Midway Mania cuz it's such a great ride and there's usually a lengthy wait regardless of California or Florida.
0: Yeah, this one's
2: tough. Um
0: the easy answer is flight of passage, but oh. I feel like I but I feel like once they open Galaxy's Edge next year, that's going to drive a lot of people out of there, so it would probably level out the wait times Soren Soren <laughs> I feel like Soren is one mm. that no matter what happens in Epcot that's always a 90 minute wait mm-hmm. um and it's one of the few. The only time I've ever seen Soren as a walk-in is when we go down because I do the run Disney races. So when we go down t- for the uh, the the after party at night at Epcot after the wine and dine half marathon, that's the only time I've ever seen that ride as a walk-on. So I actually think that the best use of a fast pass for me is Soren because everything else I know eventually I'll be able to walk on,
2: but that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's a good
1: point. Yeah, I love both of those choices. I feel like for Soren. For me, and it's just other people might enjoy it. I can't stand that cue. for some reason. Even if I have to wait twenty minutes in it, I just get so antsy. No matter how many screens and games I put up on the wall, for some reason, I just can't get into it. A, a lot of other cues I can find ways to entertain myself, but I, I wish. No, that's it...
2: the perfect word is antsy. I get the same way. I don't know what it is like. I don't know, maybe because you can't see the outside of the building, and like I don't get claustrophobic, so that's not something that should bother me. But like, yeah, every time I'm in there, I'm just like, get me on this ride. It's like being in a shoebox.
1: Yeah, and I hate that, because I love the loading video that you get when you're queued up to go in, but I feel like I'd never enjoy it because I'm just like, get me on this ride. I'm so tired of waiting. I wish that I would sit and appreciate it more so next question would be which ride do you think is due for an exit from the parks or a refurb or or what do you think needs some tlc
2: um well they addressed my biggest problem which was Stitch's great escape Mm -hmm. um so now that that's gone um let me think on that you want to take this one
0: yeah dinosaur has to go especially after riding indiana jones out in disneyland There aren't a ton of rides outside of Stitch's Great Escape that I look at and say, that needs to go. Um, I've never loved Dinosaur. It's always been, all right, it's fun, and there's a 10-minute wait, so I'll do it. So that would be mine.
2: Um, Mexico Pavilion needs to be refurbed with Coco. Mm. All respect to Donald Duck, but I love me some Coco. Donald's got to go.
1: Man, hot topics, hot takes thrown out here. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Great choice. Well, I don't say great choices. I can't agree with the second one. Any way that we can keep the 3 Caballeros is what I'm going to choose every time, but I I definitely understand the rationale.
0: I'm just glad that they're not going with that horrendous internet rumor that they were going to retheme the Haunted Mansion as Coco. Ooh. What? Yeah, that would have been bad. Yeah, Disney struck that one down real fast. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the one that I am really scared about right now is the rumor that Inside Out might eventually go in to Figment's um, Journey into Imagination, and I would not enjoy that at all.
0: See, it's, it's funny that you mention that because that was my other one that I kind of <laughs> had on my
1: list is needing, needing a fix. I, I think it could use a fix. I just hope they don't take Figment away. I guess that's what I, I
2: want to see Figment stay in the parks. Um, but for me, inside out, I feel like you already have a ride you could retrofit it into, and that's Body Wars. Everything is still there. You just need a new video.
1: Right. Yep. That's true. Somebody call up uh, Bob Chappick and and see if he can get on that.
0: i'm persuasive i'll I'll get them
1: (laughs) all right so next one would be hopefully an easier question a favorite i don't know though it's it's debatable favorite snack or a go-to snack
2: that would have been easy if it was just florida that we had experienced (laughs)
0: um for me i think that i i've been talking about it for a week jack jack cookie num Mm num over at uh pixar pier
2: i'm Uh, gonna go classic dole whip
0: yeah, Dole whips are good. Citrus swirls are so good. Up, I, I, my answer would have been citrus swirl until last week. Yeah, now it's the Jack Jack cookie num num.
1: So, what do you think, Jackie? Is it regular Dole whip or is it the Dole whip float?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I actually did the floats on this trip, and usually in Florida, I'll go classic Dole whip. Um, I think part of it was because it was a little chilly out in California, um, so I didn't want to have that much ice cream necessarily, but probably classic Dole
1: Gotcha. All right. Great choices. Next would be your favorite table service restaurant.
0: I'm going to eliminate Victoria and Albert's because you kind of know going into that, we did it on the last trip, that that's going to just be over the top spectacular. And that's kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. So it's I'm, in gonna, a
2: class all by itself. I'm going
0: to put that away um, because it's not something I can do every time. The one thing that we can do every time, and we've done it every trip, and we'll continue to do every trip without question, is Ohana. Yep, hands down.
1: Breakfast or dinner?
2: Dinner. dinner.
1: Awesome. We, I don't know how. We booked a very last-minute trip to go down. We fly down on Christmas Day, and we got wow. an Ohana reservation for 3 o'clock the day after Christmas. I don't know. What poor person let that up, but I'm so glad that I
0: <laughs> snagged it and, and grabbed it and put it into our my Disney experience. Yeah, it, it, but sometimes those are the times that you get, um, especially with a place like Ohana, because everybody wants 9 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock at night. So sometimes you just got to grab them where you can, and I always see like those... Odds and ends, bizarre times pop up, especially for Ohana. Yeah.
2: But the more bizarre time you get, the more snacks you can eat, either before or after. <laughs> that is correct.
1: Yeah, I said we'll we'll fast all day if we need to. Um, exactly. To be able to get our money's worth. So sticking with the same theme, favorite quick service restaurant.
2: Uh, Pecos Bills probably.
0: Yeah, that was that was on my list. That was the one, Pecos Bills. Great choices
1: or great choice. Um, Next would be your favorite character meet and greet moment that you've ever had.
2: Mine would be from the last trip. Um, We did Mickey's very merry Christmas party, um, which was the first time we had ever done that. Um, And we got to meet Jack Skellington. And for me, I don't usually go crazy over the characters, Um, but I, I kind of fangirled a little. Yeah, meeting Jack was cool, but
0: I think my favorite was back in 2011 when we went on our first trip together and Max from Goof Troop was walking around Epcot and he was alone. There was nobody forming lines there because unless you're, say, 27 or older, you don't really know who that is. So none of the kids rushed over to him so we were able to get ample time with him and seeing such a throwback from our childhood made it even better.
2: Yeah, he didn't even have like a cast member with him. No, they no had like the photo
0: pass person and that was it.
1: Wow. We booked um, Minnie's breakfast at the Plaza Inn in Disneyland. And normally, Max is there quite often for that breakfast. He was not there on the day that we ate there. I was super bummed. That was the one character that I was looking forward to, to the most.
2: Yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's tough. stinks. I remember we were going back and forth a little bit about that on Instagram.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he uh, – I can't remember. There's one – I I want to say it's Tokyo – He's in, like, all the parades, and they really – I can't remember if it's Tokyo or Paris, but somewhere I know that he's in, like, all the parades, and he's very accessible. So hopefully when we get to those international parks, I'll be able to meet him.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So next, I know this will be a doozy as well, um, but your favorite Disney movie. So Disney, I guess I'm using that to encompass Marvel, Pixar, Star Wars, kind of everything that falls under uh, the company umbrella.
2: Um. Really a toss-up because they're so different. I mean, animation, Little Mermaid, hands down, but I love Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. It's my favorite ride, and then they turned it into a movie, and they cast my favorite actor in it, and there was just nothing better at the time. And now they're going to destroy it.
0: (laughs) Um, I think animation-wise, it's definitely Jungle Book. Um, I grew up with it. We watched it as a family all the time. I told you that story earlier, that vivid memory I have. Um, live action, uh, A part of it comes from the fact that I'm just such a hockey fan, but I absolutely love Miracle, um, the, the movie about the 1980 U.S. Olympic yeah. hockey team. I will stop. And that's one of few movies that it, I've seen it a hundred times, and it does not matter at what point in the film I come across it. If it is on television, I will stop what I am doing. To watch the movie,
2: it's a great movie.
1: I thought you were going to say Mighty Ducks, but I'm glad you went
0: Miracle. That's a that is a classic. Oh,
2: I do love Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks
0: <laughs> is great, but there's just something about reliving that moment because um, it's something that I only ever heard about as a kid. Because I was born in '86, we both were, so we we weren't obviously couldn't see the 1980 U.S. Olympics. But my dad had it on Betamax, and he used to tell me the story of Mike Ruzioni, and so to see it play out on screen. I just remember sitting in the movie theater and being on the edge of my seat with my heart pounding out of my chest. And I knew I knew what the outcome of the movie was going to be. But I just and I remember when when Al Michaels voiceover, when the actual voiceover, not redubbing for the movie, but when his actual voiceover came in and said, do you believe in miracles? Yes. I am not ashamed to admit I literally I wept openly in the movie theater. Like, the movie just had such an impact, and I, I love it. Every time I see it, I love the movie. So I, I was
1: going back and forth, if I was going to share this. Probably the most embarrassing moment of my life was I took a speech class in college, and our final is we had to give a monologue. So I chose to do Herb Brooks' um, final kind of whatever, that monologue that he gives in the locker wow. room. Brilliant. And I froze, and for I've never froze before in my life. And for some reason, I couldn't even tell you my name at that point. Completely wiped it out, and I thought Herb Brooks would be so disappointed in me right now. Luckily, I eventually came to my senses and was able to finish it. But I had, you know, I had, I went out with my chest puffed out, ready to just knock these people away with my Herb Brooks uh, monologue. But I, I bombed it.
0: It's funny that you say that because I had a project my senior year of high school. Um, it was my senior project for my video class, and you needed to pick a scene in a film that was powerful enough where on its own would have carried the entire movie. I believe was the premise of the project. That was the scene that I picked, actually.
2: Between this and Max Goof, you guys are like long lost twins here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you want to you want to join Monorail Radio? <laughs> I
1: love it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so next one would be your favorite Disney song.
0: You know, I love the Jungle Book and I love the Bear necessities because I love the I love the, the message of the Bear necessities. But actually, my favorite Disney song is Why Should I Worry from Oliver and Company, mm-hmm. because growing up. And even to this day, I love Billy Joel. So Billy Joel was my favorite artist when I was a kid. So the fact that they took him and put him in a Disney movie was mind-blowing.
2: Probably my favorite is is in a similar vein. Uh, my favorite is Let It Go. I mean, i love to say Under the Sea," And that's probably what it was my whole life up until Frozen. But... It's funny, Billy Joel, Long Island guy. This is sung by my Long Island girl, Idina Menzel. And I was I was a fan of hers way before uh, she got her Disney contract. So to see her in a Disney movie it was just amazing. And that sequence is just done so beautifully. Um, yeah, it's got to be Let It Go.
1: I know that you are a Broadway buff. I just recently, and I learned it, I think, slightly before I listened to your episode where you mentioned it. I just recently knew that Idina Menzel was... Originally cast in Wicked. I don't know how I never knew that before, but that's that's uh, I now that I see it, I think, wow, she's the perfect person for that role.
2: She was amazing. I actually got to see her in it twice because um my brother had found out about Wicked, and uh, he really wanted to go see it. So so we went. and then when we found out that she was leaving, we were like, no, we gotta go see her. Again. It, it was really her performance that sold it more than anything else. And I've seen this play. I think 11 times since, and nobody has ever done it quite like her.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course, in Nashville, uh, where we get to see them, we always get to see the traveling show, which are always great as well, but uh, I think we would love to be able to go see that up on Broadway. Um, I was a little... I thought maybe you would pick one of the villain songs, because I know that, that you love those so much as well.
2: I do. Probably my favorite villain song uh, would be Be Prepared.
1: Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat that
2: one. I love it. I I love Scar. He's got like a little flamboyance. I I just love that whole number.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great for sure. Two questions left in our Fast Pass round. So next would be your favorite Disney quote, either from Walt himself or from any of the movies.
2: For me, uh, it all began with a mouse. And I think... It it was always my favorite quote, but it definitely got reinforced on this trip because to see Walt's Park and what this company has grown to and his vision carried out, I think it it takes on a couple of meanings. And that's, you know, to never, especially with all these changes happening in the parks now, it's important that you don't lose sight of that one thing of what it's all about and of what got it started. And I think what he meant when he said it was that he never wanted to get so big that they lost sight of the original, you know, what, what really started it all was Mickey. And I feel like the company does need a reminder of that now with all these other entities that they've taken on.
0: Yeah. Especially because I think If you look at the last 15 years, more specifically, if you look at Bob Iger's tenure, it's going to be the age of of acquisitions um, between Mm -hmm. Lucasfilm and Marvel, and now so much falls under the Disney umbrella that um, I think my quote actually that I love, because there are so many great Walt Disney quotes, right, or even great quotes from Disney movies. Um, But I think my favorite one is keep moving forward. I think that it's important that you keep moving forward. And that, you know, he Walt said that Disney World will never be a completed project. And it's going to change and it's always going to be evolving. And I think that it's not just an important quote for the company, but I think it's an important quote in life. I think that, listen, if you like what you do and you're, and you're just going to stay where you are and do what you do and you find happiness in that. Man, more power to you. But I've never been able to do that. I've always looked for the next thing. What's the next step? And what's the next step? So I think that that message is something that can't be forgotten about from a corporate standpoint to Disney down to a consumer standpoint in your personal life.
1: Yeah, I love it. Those are both great. And I love that it's very well thought out on your end as well. I I think that those are both amazing um, and and really shed some light um, on important topics for sure. So the last one. And we might have to throw one out if we can, if we have to. But your last one is your favorite Disney parks memory. I assume it may be the proposal. So I don't know. It's so let's,
2: or- let's disqualify that one. Okay. That, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Cause for me, it would definitely be our engagement, but that technically wasn't in the parks. So we can disqualify that. Good. It
0: was on property. We're going to, we're going to push it away. Let's push it aside. It's the same reason why I said I wouldn't do Victoria and Alberts. Um, I actually think... I'm going to go a little bit off the map here. Only because you and I have so many great Disney memories that it's it's sort of hard on the fly. You know, because the Rolodex is so big. I'm actually going to go to a trip I took in high school, actually. My favorite Disney memory. Um, we are at the... I'm with the high school. It's an art department trip. And we're at the All-Star Movie Resort. And... I get a knock on the door. We're back in the room after the park's closed. It was about 11.30 at night, and I said, what is this? And I look through the the hole, and I see my studio and media teacher, and I'm like, oh, why is he not – this can't be good. So I open up the door, and he sprayed me down with a super soaker. And (laughs) – We ended up running around with buckets of water and security had to chase us away. It was like the entire school trip chasing after their teachers with buckets of water and water pistols because we weren't the only room they did this to. They did it to everybody. And I just remember it was the first time I ever saw a teacher let their guard down and it kind of humanized them. Not only did it humanize them but it kind of made them more than just a chaperone on that trip, it actually made them a part of the Disney trip. And I I remember thinking that was just so cool that it never would have happened if it was anywhere but Disney. Mm -hmm.
2: I think probably my favorite parks memory is watching Wishes because they had that fireworks display for so long. It was during my senior year, my senior trip in high school. Uh, which was two thousand and four. It was the last time I was there with my family in two thousand eight, and it was my first trip with you. So I think that's why I was so sad to see it go is because it was such a staple for so long. And you know, to your keep moving forward point, of course, they changed it. It's not gonna stay forever. But I loved that show, and I think that that's tied to so many of my memories. So that's probably my favorite Parks moment.
1: Yeah, those are great. Those are great. So thank you so much for sharing those. So our last question, it's something that we ask all of our guests and I think it will be really great because I think both, both of us started our shows in August. So we're about the same amount of time into this, uh, if you have a piece of parting guidance to someone who's looking to become a Disney content creator or product producer, they're just looking to express this love and their passion for Disney, but they're not, not quite sure the right route to go down. Do you have any advice for that person?
2: I think my biggest piece of advice would be don't compare yourself to anything else that's out there. You know, we talked about it at the beginning of this episode is that it took us a while to figure out exactly what we wanted to do and we knew we wanted to have a podcast but we couldn't figure out our niche and even just come up with a na- coming up with a name monoreal Radio. I think we were getting in our heads a little bit and comparing to everything else that's out there. And Of course, we want our podcast to be successful, but um, we've been having so much fun with it. And it's something that I look forward to recording every week. And I enjoy watching these movies again and looking at them with a different set of eyes now. Um, I I just love doing the podcast so much. And our hesitation might have cost us that. So if there's something that you want to do Disney related, just just go do it. And I mean, that goes back to what I said before with my favorite quote is that it all began with the mouse. Walt Disney took this simple idea and a simple drawing and look at what it grew into. So nothing is standing in your way but yourself.
0: And I think my advice would be maybe on more of a technical end, uh, pick something that you know well, pick something that you're confident in talking about. Really think about it because while yeah you don't want to necessarily compare yourselves to other people you don't want to throw yourself into the belly of the beast and not be prepared because let's be real the disney community is great but if you don't know what you're talking about man they'll chew you up and spit you out it's like anything else (laughs) i learned this i learned this when i was doing nyi fyi the podcast i had for many years when i talked about the islanders um you know if 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 they get you against the wall man they're they're gonna hold you there so you got to be able to hold your own but the flip side of that is have thick skin we talked about it before having keyboard courage. There are a lot of people out there that are going to have something to say because they don't have the courage to do anything except talk through their keyboard. So if you're going to put yourself out there, just know that you've got a leg up on anybody else and accept, you know, expect it, but know how to deal with it and accept friends and not foes. It goes back to what I said before. You, I think us as a Disney community, our program, your program, and so many other ones out there, we all have to work together. I've been on the nasty end of a podcast war. I came out on the right end of it and without sounding arrogant, we crushed our competition, but it should never have gotten that way. Especially, you know, we were talking about hockey. We were talking about people that play a game for a living. We weren't debating, you know, the economics that that hold the country together. We're talking about a sport. The same way, like we're talking about we're talking about cartoon mice and and ice queens. You know, like, have fun with it, but embrace the community. Because I think as, as content creators, we all have to work together to get the message out there. And if we're doing that, we're all going to drive content to each other's sites. We're all going to have fun. And that's part of what makes this so attractive, is being a part of a Disney community. Because it it, it is so engaging. And I think that doing a little bit of everything you know, in regards to what we just discussed, I think it's going to make your show that much better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better myself and I completely uh, agree with everything. And I think um, one point that I think has really hit home for me recently is kind of the thick skin and knowing that you're putting yourself out there, that, that you have to, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position and you have to be confident in what you're putting out there. So I think that it's something that everybody who's in any kind of content production, or producing apparel, or whatever they're doing, you're not going to connect with everybody. And I think that is sort of a a myth that some people have to think that they're going to be automatically the Lou Mangiello that just kind of hits home with everybody but I think that anybody has to go through that process of, that you have to find your audience or allow your audience to find you um, and it's not something that you can force. So there's going to be people who consume your content and it's not the right fit for them and so you just have to move on and, and keep trucking and putting things out there that you're passionate about and then ultimately You find your people, the people that you connect with, the people that you're able to form relationships with, and that's where you're able to find success and and ultimately have a lot of fun doing it. So I think that's great. So I thank you guys so much for for sharing those points.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: good deal. So is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we head off?
0: I guess I'll just drop our social. Um, You can find us um, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Monoreal Radio. Uh, you can email us, monorealradio at gmail.com. We're on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart. You you would be hard-pressed not to find us. And if you can't find us, just go to that, go to any of our social. We love interacting with people, and we'll point you in the right direction.
2: Yeah, no, we, uh, we love this community. We love talking about not just the movies, but with the parks. You know, I, I enjoyed talking to you so much. Uh, not just today, but, you know, through social media as well, while we were in the parks, it was just so much fun going back and forth, um, you know, with like-minded people. So we're definitely looking to branch out and, you know, be a, a part of the bigger Disney community.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, I can say thank you guys so much for doing what you do i've been able to add a new podcast to my subscription list been able to work you into my daily routine it's really add a lot of joy and a lot of entertainment so i thank you guys for doing that to our listeners and you already hit on it uh but i really highly encourage anybody to go connect with you guys monoreal radio you can find them pretty much on any of those podcast platforms for sure and and that's a great thing that you guys are putting out there so yeah i thank you guys so much for joining me today and for doing what you do
0: Thanks yeah, so much for having thank us. Thank you for having us. It was a blast. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure to subscribe to never miss the new
1: episodes on Mondays, Tuesday, and Thursday. Be sure to leave us an iTunes review and share the show with your friends to help spread the magic. Connect with us on Instagram at detour to Neverland underscore podcast or at detourtoneverland.com.